Welcome to Underlords Radio Hour. Hello there, and welcome to another socially distant episode of Underlords Radio Hour. I'm Josh, and on the phone, I got my friend Brian. I'm doing good, Brian. How are you? So far, doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'm doing more than all right. And the reason for that is because we're back to doing chapters from our book, Origins of the Damned. And that's wildly yeah. exciting. Wildly exciting. It's awesome. That's wild, man. Yeah. Today, we're going to do chapter nine, which is called Summer 1989 World Tour. Yeah. So... Can we just do, but you know, before we get into that, can we just do kind of a a, a brief recap of, of where we've been? I mean, just really brief. I mean, oh really yeah, brief. keep it so, brief. So, because uh, you know, if, if somebody's tuning in on this episode, I mean, this is chapter nine. There's, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of lot of water under this bridge, man. Eight chapters and before it. That's right. Plus two intermission episodes. Oh, I yeah. think you know if you haven't. If you haven't been tuning in, you need to go back to the very beginning and start there. But the gist of this is you've got this young band um, making their own music, and they've kind of engaged in this Faustian pact um, uh, to, to, to achieve some fame and, um, and, and status because they, they want to be a successful band. But there's some kind of uh, challenges that have... Uh, uh, presented themselves along the way. Quote, a, a unquote, way? malevolence. Malevolence, yes. And, um, and, we, and we just got off uh, the second of our two intermission secret history episodes, um, which involve uh, your first band. Uh, uh, the first uh, inter- intermission episode was on your first band, Hack and Slay. The second one was on a band that we were together called The Illusionists. And, you know, I I think I'm just speaking for myself here, but I think we put those episodes in so that a a potential listener could kind of hear, you know, what does a high school band sound like? Yeah, and in our case, not very good. Not very good. Nope. (laughs) Um, Nope. Because Uh, we didn't, we, we didn't enter into a Faustian pact. And sell our souls for talent. Yeah, That's the, exactly. But in the story, this, uh, this 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 group, this band, the Underlords of the Overworld, they did engage in a Faustian pact, and so their music just gets elevated. They record an album; it gets elevated to kind of a. I mean, they're they're, they're like they're really good on stage. The music is is great on record, um, and they're gearing up for a world tour. Yes, they are. Right out of high school. Right out of high school. That did not happen to us in real life. No. Yeah, so that's a nice that's a nice recap. And that sets us up for this chapter, Summer 1989 World Tour. And uh, do you want me to do the reading? You feel free. Okay. Here we go. Summer, 
1989. World Tour. July 12, Davenport, Iowa. If Boris Hogarth had been attempting subtlety, he failed miserably with bulging eyes and pink skin glistening from excess perspiration. What the hell are you waiting for? Get out there! They're throwing shit, Brent said, gesturing toward Josh, who frantically scrubbed a brown stain on the shoulder of his shirt with a moist paper towel. Literally, they're throwing shit. They're excited to see you, that's all. This is how they show their enthusiasm in this part of the world. It's Davenport, Iowa, Brian said. And who throws shit on stage for a band they want to see? Well, they're your fans, not mine. Brian shook his head resolutely. We're not going on until the reign of feces stops. Hogarth sighed and rolled his eyes as if to lament his fate of looking after the puerile needs of prima donna rock stars. He was a short man, but broad, with hair the color of iron and deep crevices in his ruddy face. Hand-picked by Linus Velour to oversee the Underlords of the Overworld's first extensive tour, he made no bones about establishing his rough and churlish approach. But he also knew when to back down. I'll see what I can do, your majesty, he muttered. July 15, Willowdale, Ontario. Now what? Boris asked, clearly irritated at the sight of Josh hurrying off the stage at the outdoor amphitheater right in the middle of an especially spirited performance of Laundromat of Madness. They're killing a cow out there. The crowd. They're ripping it apart. I can't go back out there. I can't watch. It's horrible. Boris chuckled. Welcome to Canada. Actually, I think it's their highest form of praise. You should be flattered. You can't be serious. I wonder where they got the cow, Boris mused. Josh just shook his head and started to take off his base. Who cares where they got it? It was just there all of a sudden, in the middle of the field. I can't be part of this. I'm done. Roughly forcing the instrument back onto Josh's shoulders and spinning the bass player around, Boris pushed him back out on stage. These Canucks paid good money to see the Underlords of the Overworld, and they're buying your record, too. So give them a good show, you weak-tit little sad sack. July 19, Salzgitter, Germany. The Underlords of the Overworld were low on the bill at the Salzgitter Monsters of Metal Festival, but that didn't stop the crowd from flying into a frenzy and rushing the stage. Event security barely put up a fight as nearly two dozen enthusiastic fans made it on stage where they proceeded to paw at the band members until the local police restored order and ensured they could finish their set. No one was injured and all of the band's equipment was left intact. But there was something disturbing, actually frightening about being so close to their fans. Since they'd started their journey together, a big part of Hogarth's job had been to maintain a barrier between band and fan. And aside from a few of the prettier girls, who weren't terribly common at their performances, he ensured a respectable distance. But on that hot July afternoon in Germany, it was simply beyond his control. The smell. That's what the bandmates noticed first, as the throng pulled itself up on stage. 
It began like the stale odor common in locker rooms full of sweaty socks and shorts, but grew quickly into the overwhelming pungency of decaying vegetables. But that wasn't the worst of it. Once they, the mob, were on stage, just a few feet away, the four band members couldn't help but notice that these enthusiastic fans didn't look quite natural. The hue of their skin was just slightly green, while their eyes were either a bit too small or a bit too big. And their hair was waxy. The intruding crowd moved in a jerky, unnatural manner, like puppets on strings. One particular fan, who pressed herself against Brent, had an elongated nose that curved severely downward. Through a mouthful of jagged and disorderly teeth, she spoke in an unrecognizable language, and clearly not German. Affronte precipitium atergo lupi. Over his left shoulder, her equally hideous companion actually licked his ear before whispering, Abyssus, Abyssum, Invocat. Before either could further accost him, security was able to tear them away. Especially hot showers and expensive meals served as a partial balm for the day's unfortunate events. But as the tour proceeded, there was a growing sense of disconnection among the members of the Underlords of the Overworld. At least three of them, that is. August 7, Kyoto, Japan. The Kyoto, Japan Holiday Inn was decidedly shabby and run down. Throughout the entire premises, one could never quite escape the dour brown and orange plaid carpet, furniture, curtains, and wallpaper that surely hadn't been replaced since Lyndon Johnson occupied the White House. On the other hand, there was a large outdoor swimming pool that was, at any given time, only partially under the subjugation of a small army of vacationing Japanese children who clustered around the slide and diving board. Boris Hogarth found Brent, Brian, and Josh sprawled out on lounging chairs at the other side of the pool. Great day for some sun, eh? he asked, pulling up a chair. The three bandmates winced and looked away as their road manager unfastened the towel around his waist, revealing an orange Speedo bathing suit stretched tightly against his bulging midsection and bristling at the waistline with coarse, gray hair that extended both up his chest and back and down his legs. Great show last night, boys. I tell you, these Japs really love their heavy metal, right? Brent, Brian, and Josh doused his enthusiasm by mumbling nondescriptly and returning their attention to the books they'd brought poolside. Hogarth continued to press. Oh, come on, guys. You're not still upset, are you? These things happen to bands all the time. Brent remained deliberately calm as he put down his paperback edition of Peter Benchley's Jaws. Boris, the stage was overrun with poisonous snakes. And spiders, Josh added. Big ones. Well, we are in the tropics, fellas. We're in the middle of a major city, Brian spat, losing his cool. Not the goddamn jungle. Okay, point taken, Hogarth said, nodding. And those critters really came out of nowhere. Wow, never saw anything like that before. 
Damned infestation, Brent muttered, right in the middle of our set. Somehow I doubt any of the other bands had to ditch their gear and climb up into the rafters. Humiliating. Hogarth was reassuring. Are you kidding? The fans loved it. They'll be talking about it for weeks. Josh clapped his book shut. I can't take it anymore. This whole tour has been one fucked up disaster after the next. Now hold on, Hogarth said defensively. We've had a few bumps along the way, but I'm proud of how things have gone. Small theaters and some backwater festivals aside, we've sold out most shows. And what about when it rained blood on us in Brazil? Brent asked. Okay, okay, that was weird, Hogarth conceded. I get it, some weird shit has happened. But I've been managing tours since the 60s, and this is what playing in a rock and roll band is all about. Brian refused to let up. Oh, really? So what about that goat man who chased us through the subway in the Netherlands? For God's sake, he had horns on his head. I've got no explanation for that one, Hogarth mused. But I don't think he meant any harm. Heck, I think he was just trying to get your autographs. I just want to go home, Josh said morosely. Come on, don't be so sensitive, Hogarth replied. The tour's gone great, and I talked to Linus yesterday. He told me your album's is selling like hotcakes. He's ordered another 10,000 units. You're going to be big stars. How come we're not on MTV? Brent asked. Ah, who needs them? A bunch of Nancy boys, if you ask me. Corporate types and all. Where's Justin? He'll tell you the same thing. Brian shook his head. We have no idea. We don't see much of Justin anymore. He tends to disappear after the shows. Stays out all night, Brent added. Barely talks to us nowadays. Hogarth rubbed his chin thoughtfully. Yeah, I suppose he has taken a shine to partying with the fans. Seen it plenty over the years. Maybe he just needs to get it out of his system, you know? Well, I'm the one who's been rooming with him, and he's into some weird shit, Josh said. I swear to God, the two chicks he brought back to the room at two in the morning were bleeding like goats once they got going. It's hard to sleep when it sounds like a barnyard orgy's going on ten feet away. Drummers, Hogarth chuckled. They're always into crazy shit. Anyway, you shouldn't worry about it. He'll get his act together. Besides, look on the bright side. There's only six shows left, and then you're back home. All right. Well, that's some wild stuff. It is. And that's not, uh, I mean, that, that's just the first part of the tour. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the Yeah, uh, we're going to split this tour. chapter in two. That's right. We're going to split this this chapter into two parts, and um, so yeah, it, it's it's a it's a band that's right out of high school. Um, their their music sounds awesome, and uh, the audience that they attract seems to be hmm, demonic. 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 Yeah, put it that way. Yeah. Um, See, that's the problem with a Faustian pact, is when you make a Faustian pact, demons like you. In the long run, it's probably not a cool thing. If, if, Mm. you know, hanging with demons. Hanging with demons doesn't end well. No. No. And and this, you know, this this particular tour, um, it's just kind of... um, 
little little bits of uh, of their experiences on this tour. And the first uh, show referenced was in uh, Davenport, Iowa. And um, you know, they uh, they they there are people in the audience throwing feces on 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 stage. And um, now normally, I think if you're a band on stage, you would. Uh, Probably not like having people throw things at you, let alone poop. So, how does how do how do you square that in your mind that this is an audience that actually likes them since they're throwing crap on stage at them? How square that up? For me. Well, one of my favorite things about this chapter is a very very uh, short term character that appears uh, just in passing, Boris Hogarth, who is their tour manager and in all of the locations you know he just seems to have this he's kind of a rough and tumble tour manager and he's always kind of got this yeah they're just excited to see you you know and that was kind of to me the most fun part about this chapter is just you know because when you have rock and roll dreams and you want to get out on the road and and live these dreams you think it's all going to be you know limousines and and hot women and instead you find that the touring world is a little different and you know this this tour manager is kind of like what did you expect yeah this is how it is man um yeah and 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 there are you know there are pretty much stories from every single major touring band that's ever existed um we'll have stories about people throwing things on stage at them and in a weird sort of way it, it, it can be because somebody that's not thinking straight in the audience is trying to connect with the with the people on stage, um, you know. And, and there are stories of you know, the, like the festival um, culture in um, like Europe and England, where bands that weren't as well known yet um, sometimes did have species and other un, you know, desirable things thrown on stage at them and you know this being the first show of their tour um yeah maybe there's some people in that audience some demons in that audience that still need to be won over it's not like they all have heard the album right yeah um you know that's and i like the ambiguity because i always saw it as that was kind of a show of support you know what would a demon do to show support to the band they love, yeah. throw ex throw their excrement on stage. That's a way of saying you rock, you know. Yeah, so it's it is kind of you know, as a reader, you're reading it. It's like, uh, does this audience like them or hate them or, or what's you know what's going on here? And I think that that's kind of the where the characters are at too. They're like, what's going on? Why, you know? But like you say, the tour manager Bor- uh, Boris Hogarth, he's just like, yeah, what do you expect? rock and roll yeah um the next the next entry was a show in willowdale ontario um which um willowdale plays a a unique place in in real rock and roll history do you want to make a quick comment on that or not or just leave that to the listener to figure out well i think we've made our influences clear enough if if the leader if the reader is so inclined we'll figure it out I agree. So the show that the Underwoods play 
um, in Willowdale. That is that's where the cow is dismembered in the in the audience. And I I, I got a question for you since you're the guy who wrote wrote this. Um, you know, there's an old 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 story about Alice Cooper where you know, Alice Cooper is originally from Detroit. He, he's not a, a guy from the rural areas. But there, there was a show that they were playing in the early days, and somebody had thrown a chicken on stage. And he assumed that the chicken, being a bird, and him not being from, you know, a background that would, where he'd know this, he, you know, being a city guy, he, he, he kind of thought chickens could fly. <laughs> so he, he picked the chicken up and, and threw it back out into the audience where it was, you know, it did not survive. No, it was gruesome. And there's, there's, it's pretty gruesome. And there's, there's actual video of Alice Cooper throwing the chicken at it. And, and you know, was that, was that in your mind at all when you no. wrote the scene? I don't think okay. I even knew that when I, when I wrote this. To me, it was more... Just a matter of as they as this band is going around the world and performing for demons, what what could they possibly what what could they possibly experience that demons would do? And you know, throwing excrement on stage and dismembering a cow in the audience out you know for like an outdoor show. Those just seemed like logical choices, you know. And and again, you know, with with the with the cow, Boris just kind of laughs it off and says, "Hey, this is how they they show their appreciation," you know. And it's like. It just seems ridiculous that this would be commonplace. It is ridiculous, but I, I think what's kind of interesting about that, and, and this is the case, I think, with anything that you read, is you know you you kind of bring to what you're reading your own life experience and knowledge of things. You know, like when I read that after you had written it, the Alice Cooper story is the thing that popped into my mind, um, and like you just said, I, you you apparently didn't even know that story no i i have oh. subsequently learned that because i watched the documentary but yeah no oh, okay. no yeah. no uh no intent there to you know yeah base it on real events so they go from from the United States, you know, a show in Iowa. They go to Canada, um, and then they're off to Germany. There's a show referenced uh, in Germany, and um, this is where they really have a, 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 a confrontation. Uh, a confrontation, maybe not the right word, but uh, an interaction with forces that are clearly not uh, human. Can, can you can you uh, address how this? Um, changes maybe the way the band views what they're doing on tour you know i think that everything you know it's always intended to kind of build you know it's like okay throwing excrement on stage a a cow's getting slaughtered in the audience where do you go from there and you have to kind of bring it from out in the audience onto the stage and you know this is what happens in in germany and um you'll have to excuse my uh, reading of the Latin, which was probably really poorly done because I don't speak Latin, but you know when you have this this uh, particular fan who comes on stage and, and starts doing behaving like this, it's clearly an indicator that we've crossed a new threshold of weirdness and you know potential supernaturality. So and it's almost as if this is the moment where it becomes 
if not, if it's not clear to them, it should be clear to the reader that the Faustian pact that they engaged in, you know, at the very beginning of the story, is is starting to have uh, a real uh, consequence to it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then they end up in, in Japan, in the ancient capital of Kyoto, Japan. Um, and I like this because it's not so much on stage, it's it's back at the Holiday Inn talking about the show from the previous night. So again, a little bit of a change in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, I thought that was a, a, a nice way to kind of pivot a little bit, just from the prose. Yeah, and there's a, there's a line in there, Josh had said, uh, you know, it says, Josh clapped the, the, his book shut. I can't take any, because he's reading, they're out, I think they're out on, by the pool reading, he, and he says, I can't take it anymore. This whole tour has been one disaster after the next. And he, obviously with, you know, the thing that they've experienced um, is a little bit more melodramatic than um, what a, a real touring band would experience but the touring life is probably not nearly as glamorous as a lot of people might assume and it certainly isn't glamorous for for our 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 characters here in this story yeah for sure uh the other thing i really like about this particular passage in japan is you know brent actually asks how come we're not on mtv and, you know, if you remember the 80s, you remember MTV when they actually used to play music oh, yeah. videos and concerts. So it's a bit of a cultural and a bit of a dated reference. But it's also a reference, you know, that it's like you start to see the recognition, you know, that they've kind of displayed along the way. And that's one of the questions of the stories. How much are they really being complicit in the sale of their souls and, and this Faustian pact? But this is where, you know, Brent is actually starting to push back and starting to say, I don't even really this doesn't seem right to me. And, you know, again, you know, Hogarth kind of has this kind of standard pat answer about, you know, that's just all corporate stuff. And, you know, this is real rock and roll. And that's just also kind of that, that benchmark of, they know they've crossed the threshold. They know something's wrong at this particular moment. Yeah. And, and also there's, uh, um, you're starting to see that, that, uh, there's a little bit of a divide that seems to be um, growing between Brent, uh, Josh, and, and Brian on one hand, and Justin on the other. Yeah, that that's been definitely a theme that's been building, and um, <laughs> we'll have to see where that goes. But uh, we will, yeah, yes. Um, so uh, with that, with that in mind, is that uh, is that a good place to to to, to call it? Uh, and, and then we'll pick up with the next next episode to uh, finish off this chapter. Yeah, yeah, that's this is a good place to call it for this particular stop on the tour. We'll pick up with the rest of the tour and some other things that happen in this chapter on our next episode. Um, but uh, as always, we want to thank our faithful listener out there for going on this journey with us. It's been fun. All right. We'll see you next time. Okay.